Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to another episode of the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your favorite sacramental friends, Jim wow. Morrow and Alan Kaysen. That was How a nice far reach. It was a nice far reach. I yeah, thought yeah. since the stuff we're going to be talking about, I would just, you know, see what I could do with that. That's awesome. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I hope everybody's doing great out there in Potokesis land and the Potokesis country. It's good to be with you. I have no idea what sacramental means. I hope that we can answer <laughs> it during this podcast. That's a Alan or else Reverend I'm pretty Alan sure, Kaysen, or else I'm pretty sure Finster. you just uh, called me a, uh, a bad thing. I, I'm just very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't, we'll see. I wouldn't put it past you, Brett. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. Um, as always, hit us up on social media at Podakesis is where you can find us and leave us a five-star review on Apple, um, on iTunes, and that would be uh, most helpful. And uh, you know what? We've got a loose end. Sometimes I'll ask, do we have any loose ends from the last episode? We actually do have a loose end from the last episode, one that um, Alan kept me from tying up. I was trying yep. to do some good teaching, some good catechism, get our people to understand um, what, you know, some important scriptural and theological truths. And Alan just said, no, nope. you stop. Just stop. Can't, Can't no. do it. I had Why? to save it for later. Had to save it for later. And later is now. And so uh, we are talking about the means of grace, the means of grace, and how God communicates to us. Um, um, and, you know, drawing us to Himself, um, saving us from our sins, and so this is uh, this is an important piece uh, to what it means to repent and to give our lives to Christ. So, uh, we've got one question. For so long, we've been hitting up all these different questions uh, dealing with an issue. We're only dealing with one issue, uh, one question today from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and it's this: uh, What are the outward means by which Christ communicates to us the benefits? of redemption. Now we can answer that question. Okay, good, good, good. The outward and ordinary means by which Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacrament, and prayer. And Wesley would like for us to just stop right there. Uh, but in the catechism, there's a another line that Wesley strikes mm -hmm. out and he uh, he says, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. Yeah. Um, so there you have it. Yes, but that's um, all. We'll, that that piece is 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 taken out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we'll be here for about five minutes, guys, and we'll uh, let you let you get on your way. <laughs> yeah. What do we do if we only have one question to talk about? <laughs> I know, right? Absolutely. Um, and so there are a couple of pieces of passages: one from Matthew, one from Acts. But before we do that. I love that this um, question brings up the outward and ordinary means. Um, that almost a sense that the way Christ communicates to us is supposed to be ordinary. Like it's not an extraordinary thing. God communicating or revealing himself to us is just what he does, right? And so um, I just love that word, the ordinary means by which Christ communicates to us. Yeah, right. I, think, I think also um, that the, the, the answer um highlights word sacrament and prayer but there's more you yes. know there's there's we're we're going to we're going to talk about these three specifically but um because god communicates us in ordinary ways there's all different kinds of ways that god right. um communicates to us um 
she reveals his grace to us. Um, so, um, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna find, we're gonna hone in on the, of the ones that the, uh, catechism talks about, but there's, there's so many, so many yeah. different ways that God. Yeah, can before we get into the scripture proofs, I'd like to play with some of the words in the answer to yes. nuance their definitions a little bit. Um, the word communicates is often a word we use to like relay information. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means to, uh, draw into communion. So for example, if you're taking communion, you are communicating, mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. a, a communicate. Um, and so it's not just simply how does the question doesn't simply mean, what are the outward means that Christ gives us information about himself? It's how, how does that get imparted and how can we partake and enter into communion through that? not necessarily Holy Communion, but in community with that. Mm-hmm. So nuancing that word will help us understand the question. And also um, the outward and ordinary, um, picking up on the ordinary, we'll talk about this more. It gives us a sense that while we might be on the search for the spiritual high or the next thing that might raise our emotional level to the point where we feel you know, like we're in a state of bliss, that's not the, those are rare ways that Christ communicates, right. uh, gives us grace. Right. Um, so the, the way for a more mature Christian life is to recognize and continually take part in the ways that Christ is always flowing. Um, like, like a, like a river rain might come and pour out enough water for you to drink on occasion, but the river's always flowing in there for you to drink mm-hmm. from. Right. Right. Well, and it was, it also says that it's, um, it's available. Yes. Always available. Like you, you mm-hmm. don't have to sign up for the retreat next month that to just, that's the only way you're going to get, you know, yeah. that it is available, um, always daily constant, any, any, you know, um, um, reading the word and prayer can take place all the time. Right. So oh, yeah. just use, just use those two. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to have, you don't have to have any special training or anything like that. Right. It is, it is, it is there for you, um, right. always. So it's a good, that's a good start, Jim Morrow. Yeah. Jim Morrow's early lead in this. Let's see what, who's going to get end. the game ball. <laughs> yeah. Who's getting the game ball this time around. All right. All right. So we've got two passages, one from the end of Matthew and one from the beginning of Acts. And so we'll start with Matthew 28. Yep, let's do it. Matthew 28, often known as the Great Commission, Jesus upon his resurrection says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we're lifting up here the sacrament of baptism, which is one of these means, um, but also in the teaching uh, in obedience and in Christ's presence. Those are things that um, are a part of either sacrament or means of grace. Yeah. So Christ is commanding and instituting here baptism. Yes. Um, that word ordinance, by the way, in this answer and the question and answer, um, it, it means to command, right? Like this is, this is, a, uh, this is a law or a, uh, this is expected of you. Um, and so um, you get that with the great commandment, right? The, the I mean, great commission, sorry, the great commission, you get that with the great commission. 
um, go therefore. And it's not just like one of those things where it's a suggested for us to go and do whatever it is. Go therefore. And, and it, and it also means something that is set aside specifically. So right, right. Um, Christ sets aside and commands yeah. for us baptism and therefore yeah. it becomes an ordinance and for most, not all, uh, sacrament. Well, and and he also commands to teach too, right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. the big thing. Baptize and teach. Um, there was a, a really good book written by a um, former professor out of Candler School of Theology. Um, I don't know where she is now, but um, uh, um, it was it's called the Sacrament uh, Teaching a Sacrament, and um, she wasn't making the um, um, idea. She wasn't trying to say there's, you know, teaching is a sacrament, but what she was trying to do was to show that it, it is as much of a, that to teach the faith is as much of a command as going to the nations and baptizing them and making disciples and, um, a very powerful book, teaching a sacrament, um, for y'all to check out, especially if you like to teach, uh, mm. within the church. Um, all right. So that's Matthew 28. Great Commission. We all know that passage, but I do think it's important to kind of lift those pieces out. Um, Acts. All right, Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47. I'm going to read that whole section. And this is if on our last episode, um, we looked at Acts 2 and and the response of the people to Peter's sermon. Peter responds, you know, they're like, what do we do to get saved? And Peter responds, um, repent and be baptized. and you'll be given the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say that Peter taught them with other things. And then it goes on in this passage, Acts 2, 42 through 7, to sort of describe the state of the church um, after Pentecost and after Peter's sermon. And um, we, we, we often look at this passage as sort of a um, maybe an idle description of what the church um, should be about and be like, but um, so they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I just want to stop right there. (laughs) 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 Wow. Um, um, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you've got, you've got a little bit of everything. You've got teaching, you've got prayer, you've got um, miracles, you've got um, fellowship, fellowship, mm-hmm. you've got eating together. Um, and this, I'm not sure you guys make it but help me. I mean, breaking bread. I mean, it could be, could be eating meals together. It could be a, a, a communion. I'm not, um, not hundred percent sure on that, yeah. but anyways, they're together, they're fellowship, they're meeting together. Um, praying, teaching, all of it. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that's probably a both and mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, on that breaking the bread piece there. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, so we need to look at a few things here. So this answer talks about uh, the ordinances, especially word, sacrament, and prayer. So what are we talking about with um, word? Um, word is the proclamation of the gospel. It is word. Word up. <laughs> word up. Get the word up. 
<laughs> I don't know. Word up. I, we'll go with it. Um, I don't know. There was a um, wow. gosh, I, th- I think it's <laughs> I think it's Louis Giglio who does when he does like a book series at uh, Passion City Church. When he does a book series, it's called Word. <laughs> Just I love. I've always loved that. Anyway, so um, it's the preaching and teaching of of word uh, of, of scripture of the gospel. Um, it's really taking that piece seriously. So word sacrament, um, is, um, this, before the episode, we were like, do we all know the definition of sacrament? Yeah. <laughs> it's taking, it's taking part in the set aside and lifted up sacraments of the church, which have a special place because they are means of grace instituted by Christ where Christ is present. Right. And so interestingly enough, traditions, uh, uh, Christian traditions throughout history, haven't um, <laughs> haven't um, always agreed on how many sacraments there are. Um, for most part, most traditions agree that there's at least two. They're the, the same two. Uh, baptism for, for the yeah for the traditions that hold to sacraments. Yeah, for the tradition that hold to sacraments. Fair enough. Um, that communion or Eucharist and baptism. That's kind of the universal. But then there are up to about five or so more that certain traditions will add in, including marriage and ordination and last rites and that kind of stuff. Um, but for us, just for the purposes of this podcast, um, we're going to go with baptism and we're going to go with communion. Interestingly enough, though, so Jim, give that definition again, because I want to ask I will question. do my best. Okay. The sacraments of the church are those the things that were instituted by Christ that are special means of grace that reveal an inward, an outward sign of an inward grace in which Christ is present. So God uh, is present. And also, but didn't there have to be something perhaps maybe that also Christ instituted or did or took part in himself, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, The piece of it. So, um, and of course there needs to be much more nuanced for those who are really working it out, but yeah. Why isn't foot washing a sacrament? Hmm. Does he command others to do it? I need to go back to and look at that. I don't that. think he does. I don't think he I commands. I think that's what it is. Uh, there is no command there. Oh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He, just, right. he just does it um, for his disciples. Yeah. If you don't let me wash your feet, you can't. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So, mm-hmm. all right. Fair enough. All right. So I'll go with that. I'm just <laughs> Brett, that. Brett, do you need a pedicure? Is, are you really no, fishing for a gift card? <laughs> You're fishing for a gift card, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Here's your Linton gift. This is a really weird ask for you guys, but <laughs> but it's anyway. got some gnarly toenails. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So uh, the sacraments, uh, baptism and communion, and for you know, in certain Christian traditions, communion and baptism are baptism are more remembrance or initiation and remembrance would be kind of how they go. And yeah, so there's not as there's it's human agency, not divine agency active in that, which is a part of the definition of sacrament is that God is the active agent and we are responding. Right. Right. And that is a a key piece to this. Um, So like for communion, for example, in the United Methodist church, um, you might hear, and we actually had this discussion before the uh, episode started. um, You might hear some uh, pastors say, and I've definitely have said it before, but erroneously probably, um, that we have an open table. Well, that's not quite true. We don't quite have an open table uh, because the invitation itself puts conditions on the invitation. Christ invites uh, to his table all who love him, who who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live at peace with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving one out, but um, 
but but there are con- those are conditions. You can't. I mean, the, the all you're invited if you do these things. Like that's. That, right. I mean, that you look at the te- or the liturgy, and that's and that liturgy is based on pretty ancient church liturgy um, right. it, it, itself. The, the term the term in the open table. It's it's a it's more of a descriptive term than it is a theological or doctrinal right. thing for us because we don't technically use it in any of our our doctrinal or theological materials. However, what it what it refers to and one of the ways it's beautiful, there's two. One is that you do not have to be a member of the local congregation to right. accept that invitation and come to the table, like you would say in a Roman Catholic church, or I'm trying to think maybe even in an ordinance in the Baptist church, you need to be a member. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's open yeah. to all uh, who would accept the invitation. Um, and Wesley would say it is primarily for the believer. However, yes, a non-believer can accept that invitation and receive grace and Christ can work salvifically uh, to draw that person towards salvation. Yeah. But then that person should be counseled immediately towards baptism and uh, justification. Yes. So, so that it's not well willy nilly. You can just come and nothing matters. Right. So, so I want to make sure uh, we use the term "open table" to describe something like that in our church. But we, it's not the term doesn't rise to the level of doctrine where then we can fill it and make it whatever we want it right. to be. Uh, that, and, and of course, United Methodist listening, uh, this is a conversation that we love to like play with. So mm-hmm. uh, comments, mm-hmm. bring it on. It's so much fun and, and helpful. Clarity is always good. And and the big comments that are being had on in the Twitter, Twitter sphere right now on this has to do with uh, the response to the pandemic. And it is, especially with communion, is can you take communion virtually or apart from a community of faith and well, there's two things that are part of second I, I won't get into that here because i think i yeah. think that it's okay for people to have responded how they did and yeah and sometimes theological reflection in a moment you don't have time for Amen. um the the sacraments that in, in our united methodist tradition have are embodied and have physical things attached to them that's part of what makes them a sacrament they're a sign and act and an act yeah. So you have the physicality of bread and wine slash juice and the eating and drinking thereof. Right. You have the physicality of water and the application, physical act of application. And so the those things, the question people are wrestling with theologically is, is the physical nature of those things vital to sacrament? Mm. I know my answer. Um but people are wrestling with that. And I, th- I think the answer is yes, they do. And, 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 and are they individual activities or are mm. they activities of the community of faith? Yeah. So one of the things that we are, I, I, we were talking in our staff the other day, we were doing some uh, adaptive learning groups about what we've learned about our adaptations to the pandemic. And I asked, <clears throat> because we were just now starting to talk about this in wider groups here at the church the last question was, what do you mourn from the pandemic? What do you mm. mourn? What have we lost that you mourn? Because we got to name those things so they don't have control over us, right? And one of the things that we named is, I mourn that we have reinforced the idea that the church creates content and doesn't create community. Oof. And so Oof. what's happened in the consumer movement across generations is that baptism and communion and sacraments become products to be consumed. And if that's the case, then why wouldn't they be offered everywhere else? Mm. 
And if I'm by myself, why can't I receive this product? Because this is about me consuming a product. And But is it really, or is it the act of a gathered community? So for example, I always tell people, one of the questions I got early on, I could riff on this forever. I'm sorry. Just, get, just keep, stop. keep going. No, keep going. Um, early on in my ministry, I got stumped by a question and, and it really caused me a lot of really good thinking. A pastor, what am I supposed to do after I receive communion and I'm waiting for everybody else to? And the, I, the, the, the question then becomes, is communion just the act of you receiving the body and blood of Christ? And really communion starts once the table is set. Yeah. It's the same way that if you go to grandma's house for dinner, you're at dinner and you're at the table all the way up until the roast beef hits the plate and then you're mm -hmm. eating it. It doesn't yeah. mean you just got the dinner. And so we're all doing this together. Um, so there's some things there that I don't know how we got off on the topic, but those are important. No, this is good. Those are important. And they might not be entirely thoroughly accurate and maybe need extra thought. Um, but yeah, so you mentioned bringing these things online, and I think it's worth considering if everything needs to be able to be consumed by an, an individual in isolation. Now, now, do we, we extend our table to those who cannot be with the gathered community, and right. we bring the grace of the gathered community to those who cannot come to be baptized? But right. That's a different story. But historically, that's been done with the elements that were consecrated on that day, too, which is, which is, the, which is what we do, which yeah. is what we do in our tradition. But y'all yeah. go ahead and carry on. I was just riffing on no, sacraments. That's, I, and, and that's a great riff because I'm now, now I want to riff on something a little bit, too, um, that I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people won't agree with. Um, and I know I don't agree with in actual practice at this at this moment in my ministry. Um, I think we baptize folks way too early. I think we and I'm not talking about infants and stuff like that. Like I'm I'm a I'm a believer and practicer of infant baptism. Um, and but with infant baptism is an assumption that at some point in that kid's life, they're going to go through a period of being confirmed into the faith. Mm -hmm. where they will be taught the faith, they will go through learning the basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to the, the Wesleyan distinctives, all of this. And it'll take time, right? Um, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is. It's going to take time to mm -hmm. get there. Um, what I'm talking about when I talk about too early is on Friday, you can have someone at, a, a, at a, an event have a really dramatic encounter with the Lord Jesus and their life is just completely changed and transformed. And then on Sunday, they're being baptized. And that is very much, I think that piece, I think there needs to be that person who gives their life to, life to Christ then needs to be taken into a catechetical process of what has just happened to them and before they are baptized. That's how the ancient church did it. Um, and that time period was a year to three years in length. And that by the time you got to the baptismal um, initiation into the community of faith, that person had learned the basics of the faith, had 
learned what it meant to give up some of the stuff that they needed to give up in their lives. And even in the ancient church had gone through some sort of, and this is interesting to me in in some (laughs) of the research I've done, uh, gone through some sort of deliverance from various strongholds in their lives. And so I'm wondering if this consumerist mentality that we have um, I have a friend of mine who is a big believer that once someone is saved, you throw them in the water because if you, because it looks good and it's part of the uh, not only does it look good, but it's also part of the you don't want them to lose that enthusiasm. That's what he said. You don't want them to lose that enthusiasm. So baptize them while they're enthusiastic and they'll remember that. And I'm sitting here going, no, no, no. I we need to. We need to teach them what just happened. We need to take part in that. The reason the ancient church did this, there was a good reason to do that. And I think we've gotten too consumeristic with that piece. Of course, this is me riffing and part of some of the research I've been doing on baptism um, and on uh, teaching the faith. So um, anyway. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm, curr- you know, um, I'm currently doing a confirmation class um, like you are, Brett, and mm-hmm. um, I'm using the absolute basis of the Christian faith. Uh, fantastic. 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 But it's got two options for you. It's got a um, eight week and a sixteen week, yeah. and um, I'm I'm doing eight week right now. Yeah, um, just because, just because. Yeah, <laughs> because it fits. And the, yeah. I'm I'm midway through it, and I'm already telling myself, from here on out, I'm doing sixteen weeks. Yeah, because it just, you just can't rush it. Yeah, and this and this goes back, and we're gonna because we're kind of the the I think the way that God, um speaks to us and communicates with us is through word and through teaching. Yeah. And, um, and it takes some time to grasp some of these. Um, I mean, we were talking about these same things of, um, you know, what's the benefit of salvation? What is salvation? What is required of salvation? Um, those are some, yeah, those are some heavy things, especially for fifth, sixth, seventh graders, you know? So, um, I, I'm, I am, I'm with you and and I understand your heart and what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And, we'll, and, and we'll baptism was yeah. and baptism was done on Easter Sunday. Right, yeah. right. We're we're doing it, we're doing it uh the day after Easter because that's a low Sunday. And so uh we'll <laughs> we have uh yeah. families there, right? Yeah, we are too. <laughs> Look at yeah, you. I think I think it's worth going back and digging into uh that baptism, uh maybe in a later conversation. I think that part of the reason that people even want to be rebaptized is not because they're thinking about how is God active in baptism, but because they're, they, there's something about uh, a marking of an important moment. Yeah. And right. so baptism seems to be the, the way that it's been communicated. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not necessarily the only way we can mark big moments and we can let baptism be what it needs to be. But at any rate, let's, let's kind of come down uh, to the back to the ordinary. Yeah. Um, and, recognize that what we mean by a means of grace is a channel or a way in which God gives us grace. Yeah. And grace, grace, we need to think about not just as like niceness, um, but great, everything you, your life is empowered by grace. Grace is the fuel of God empowered, uh, imparted by the Holy spirit that allows you to change and grow and live and move and have your being, uh, and grow in holiness and grow close to God. It's, it's the um, it's what God offers us out of His love to draw near to Him. So it's not just about being nice. So there are these ordinary ways. Like God is not really being mysterious. The church has mm. confirmed, and even the Judeo-Christian tradition has confirmed 
there are ways that God just communicates grace, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So think about this little story. So there's a little town and it only rains or it rains all the time, uh, but there's no running water mm-hmm. and there's no ponds, rivers, or lakes. And everybody is always thirsty except for the guy down the street because every day he puts buckets out and he catches the rain. Mm-hmm. And everybody says, why are you never thirsty? You are always hydrated and you're always sharing with us how is it that you can do this and we can't and he said because i put the buckets out because it's always raining i just want to catch it don't you want to catch it and that's the same thing god is always pouring out this grace and things like prayer and uh christian fellowship not just fried chicken fellowship but fellowship fellowship. like sharing your soul hey 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 there's nothing Uh, wrong you can do it with fried chicken okay all right good (laughs) Things like in the Wesleyan tradition and others too, it's not just works of piety, which are maybe your more private inner workings or your receiving workings, but also works of of mercy, like visiting the sick, visiting the imprisoned, giving alms, uh, which means being charitable with your money to those in need. Those are ways that God just rains out. And those are your buckets where you catch it. That's that's. That's quite excellent, actually. Um, man, that, what a great story. Um, Parable. Here's a secret. What? I just made it up right now. Did you really? I did. Um, Except now it's recorded, and I'm going to use it in a sermon next month. Yes, you <laughs> And probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. You oh, know, buckets. Um, buckets. Uh, it's, 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 better than, um, it's better than some other buckets some that we've other heard. Buckets. Some no, other buckets that, we've that's, heard. That's a good Very. point. They're not scripture um, buckets. No, you know, the last buckets. piece of this, so we've got word, sacrament, and prayer. So if y'all would indulge me a little bit. So one of my favorite Wesleyan authors is William Abraham, who yes. unfortunately passed away a few months ago. Um, mm. And he has written many, many fantastic books. One of my favorite on Wesley actually is from him uh, with his wit and humor and just the way he talks about Wesley is so great. Wesley for armchair theologians is the name of the book. Um, I'm I'm going to read a a little bit of piece here. So y'all buckle in, but this is, this is um, Wesley's usage and views of the means of grace. And there's a little bit of a historical piece to this too. So uh, Abraham writes, Wesley, Wesley's views on the means of grace are laid out in a sermon, The Means of Grace, that falls toward the end of those dealing with how to become and be a real Christian, but before Wesley's charting of the character and foundation of Christian morality. He begins with the simple observation that under the Christian disposition, dispensation, I should say, God has ordained certain means as the usual channels of his grace. Only a heathen would deny this fact. We can plainly see to uh, see the practice of the early church as depicted in Acts 2. Two pressures, however, had led to problems. First, as love grew cold, folk began to mistake the means for the end, substituting outward forms for inward reality. Consequently, the means failed to function properly, and some inferred that they were obviously useless. Second, Various holy and venerable leaders began to despise the means of grace in the name of inward religion, and in time, others pressed this to the point where they rejected the claim that God had designed various channels for conveying grace. 
This conclusion was confirmed by the fact that some clearly had have experienced grace without any outward form at all. The solution to this tragic development, as Wesley saw it, was to go back to the beginning and work through the necess- the and work through the necessity and proper functioning of the great the means of grace. Means of grace are outward signs, words, or actions ordained of God and appointed for this end to be the ordinary channels whereby he might convey to men preventing, justifying, and sanctifying grace. That was to quote Wesley. Now, here's the piece that really want to lock in on. To quote Wesley, the chief of these means are prayer, whether in secret or with with the great congregation, searching the scriptures, which implies reading, hearing, and meditating thereon, and receiving the Lord's Supper, eating bread, and drinking wine in remembrance of him. And these we believe to be ordained of God as the ordinary channels of conveying his grace to the souls of men. Later on, Wesley will look at other practices like works of piety and some other things in which Jim had mentioned earlier. But the chief means of this is prayer. So for Wesley, uh, prayer, the Lord's Supper, and uh, searching God's word. Um, the, the, the chief, for Wesley, the move away from these practices in his day was completely boneheaded move. You know, it was a wrong move for those who were doing this. Also, um, the uh, looking at the means themselves as an end whether, rather than a means of conveying us to the presence of Christ in our lives was also wrongheaded move. So I think Abraham, looking at Wesley, does a good job of explaining uh, the means there. He's always so good. Oh, absolutely. He's got such a, a such a wit about him <laughs> when he writes, and he pulls no punches. Um, even about, I mean, he's a huge Wesley fan. I mean, that's what he was, a Wesleyan scholar, and um, he would take Wesley to task on various things as well. So that's Ooh. that's pretty fun. We always got to remember whether you're a Wesleyan, a Calvinist, an Augustinian, whatever it is, um, that these were fallible people who were not, they're not perfect. They're not Jesus themselves and that they are apt to make mistakes as well. And Wesley is a fan of Wesley as I am. I understand that he is not perfectly right in everything. I don't know. Does that get me in trouble with the bishop? (laughs) No, no, you're good, man. You're good. I don't know. So I'm already ordained, so I'm all right. <laughs> oh, that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's um, really the that's really the end goal. Don't mistake the means for the end there, Brad. Oh, I know. The <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the Lord as, it, as if as spirit. if being ordained is some kind of checkbox. Hey, listen, I, I'll just quick uh quick just testimony on this. In 2012, when I was ordained, the Lord really checked me on that because I remember going through the process. Um, I got got the stole at annual conference, and I remember thinking to myself, "This is it. I'm done." And I, I mean, it. very quickly, the Lord checked my spirit on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to recommend a book, "The Means of Grace" by Andrew Thompson. Oh, uh, that's a good book. Yes, so yes. It's, and there's a whole study that goes with it. We've done it as a church. Um, and it, it lists a lot of, um, it kind of breaks it down, the instituted means of grace, um, the prudential means of grace, the general means of grace. And so um, there's a lot of, you know, um, we've talked about it here, but like 
the classes and band meetings and small groups that is a means of grace you know being yes. in that group together um in in uh, accountability that's a means of grace where god communicates his grace to us so, absolutely um so anyways it's a good book good study uh highly recommend it awesome awesome all right so um i think we're close to being done guys with this um this episode any last words y'all want to make on this before we move on uh, any, are you talking about last rights? Do we need any last, last rights? Do we have any last rights before we? Well, let's just move on. <laughs> That's a sacrament joke I made. I uh, know it. I, I know that to. is. Yeah. Uh, guess what, guys? I'm not allowed on the next episode. If, if you have to tell us it's a joke, is it really a joke? So I don't know. All right. Yeah, so, I think by definition, or, or maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just not a funny joke. Ontologically, it's still a joke. It might not be funny, <laughs> but it's not my fault. It's yours. Ontologically, oh my gosh, that's so funny! All right, so uh, uh, so the next several episodes are actually going to deal in depth with word, with baptism, with sacrament, um, and so we're going to be able to get uh, more uh, depth into that. Maybe get into some more of these discussions that we've been having. More um, in depth. More in depth. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. more in depth. I'm ready for it. Let's go. And then um, uh, whether or not uh, Hawaiian bread is truly an appropriate conveyance of God's grace in the sacrament of Holy Communion. I would say absolutely. But anyway, so... Um, <laughs> uh, carry on. Hey, we can uh, we can talk about, um, you know, what other cultures use for... Uh, hey, that's for, fun. You know, I've been to Uganda, and uh, I can tell you what they... What they use for the elements. All is, right. that our, is that our cliffhanger for next episode? <laughs> exactly. Well, our next episode is going to be dealing with the Word of God, so it'll be a cliffhanger. So a long cliffhanger. As a reminder, the Podakesis podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth podcasting network. You can find out more about that at spirittruth.life. And, um, and we do have a conference coming up, and that's March 17th through the 19th, and you can find out more about that also at Spirit and Truth. Dot life. Hit us up on social media at Podakesis is where you can find us. Questions at Podakesis.com is where our email address. You can leave us any questions you have or comments. You can also call us at 404-635-6679. Let us know what you know, think about the show. Leave me a comment, and perhaps we will play your comment on the show. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That helps us out there greatly. And we are going to call it a day. This has been fun, guys. Thank y'all for uh, such a great conversation on the sacraments and, um, you know, the ordinances, the means of grace, whatever it is we were talking about today. And uh, guys um, out there in Potakusis land, we hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you later.